This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right. Welcome to Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. So how many of you stayed up for the whole thing last night? Or this morning, I guess, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> Unbelievable. The Mariners find a way, and I'm guessing <laughs> many of you are hearing about this game for the first time after a long marathon that the Mariners win in 15 innings over the Tigers. An up and down roller coaster of a game, but the Mariners find a way to get it done. They beat Detroit. They've taken the series, and now they will look for the sweep tonight against Detroit. How about this? The Mariners going for the sweep with Felix Hernandez against Justin Verlander tonight. This is storybook stuff. Mariners 6-5 to five in 15 innings. We're going to detail it all coming up in just a couple of minutes. A few things to point out, though. Mariners now 59-53 and 53 on the season. 32 and 25 at home. They've really played well at home, especially as of late. You look at the standings, Mariners the longest winning streak in the American League. It's now five games. Unfortunately, Texas, they've won four in a row, so not much ground gained in terms of the division, but ground gained everywhere else. The Mariners now two and a half back behind Boston, who holds down the second wild card slot right now. The Mariners, thanks to winning two against Detroit, just a game and a half back of the Tigers. Tigers are the next team out of the wild card picture. You've got Baltimore and Toronto tied in the East and also tied for the first wild card. So that becomes a factor as well. The Mariners playing great baseball, seven and three in their last 10 ball games. They've won five in a row. They have the second-best record in the American League since the All-Star break, and they are rapidly gaining on the team who has the best record, and that's Detroit. The Tigers 15-9 and since the All-Star break. The Mariners 14-9 and since the All-Star break. Second-best record in the American League, tied for the third-best record overall in all of baseball since the All-Star break. The Cubs 17-6. and I'm not sure many people would guess this, but the Reds, 14-9, and tied with the Mariners after Detroit. So there it is, Mariners red hot, and finding a way is the term I would use because that's definitely what happened last night. Magic man Wade LeBlanc was on the hill again last night, and I say that because 
it, it's amazing what the Mariners have wound up doing with LeBlanc on the mound. It's uncanny what has happened every time LeBlanc takes the mound. Something, really, something amazing has happened every single time just about. I mean, go you go back to his very first start against the St. Louis Cardinals. Remember, that was the game that he was facing Carlos Martinez, who's just absolutely filthy. And then Adam Lind walked things off in the bottom of the ninth inning as the Mariners scored three runs to win four to three. And then the game against the Chicago White Sox, where he faced Chris Sale. The Mariners scored four in the bottom of the ninth to come from behind and claim victory. That was Adam Lind on the walk-off. Kyle Seeger had a big hit in that one. The Mariners, of course, beat David Price his last time out. They beat him 5-4 to four as the Mariners scored five in the bottom of the eighth inning to come from behind and take the lead. That was Robinson Cano hitting a three-run home run. And then you can add last night to the tally. Wade LeBlanc on the hill in Detroit. You knew this was going to be a tough matchup with all the right-handed thunder. But before we get to the game, the highlights, everything else. I have to tell you, this is a great podcast. We have a lot coming up. Nathan Bishop from LookoutLanding.com is going to be here. We're going to talk about the Mariners' recent run. It was in person. It was great to meet Nathan in person last night at Safeco Field and talk to him, the crew from Lookout Landing there at the game last night, LookoutLanding.com. Always a a great site to go and (laughs) days like this. A great place to go as well. So Nathan Bishop is going to be here in a few minutes. Also, we're going to hear from Ryan Roland Smith. I had a a question last night about Ryan Roland Smith and a comment that he had made is from Daniel Hill at D underscore Hill 80 on Twitter. Asked about Ryan Roland Smith making a comment about Mike Zanino and the way he receives, the way he catches. So, I had a chance to catch up with Ryan Worland-Smith and talk to him for a few minutes about that. So I try and answer questions the best I can. I haven't asked much, if you have any, along the way, but always feel free to tweet them at me at Gary Hill Jr. or email GaryHillPXP at gmail.com, and I'll do my best to answer questions as we move through. But let's get to the highlights. And as I mentioned, LeBlanc, tough matchup. A lot of right-handed pop, and Detroit was tough on LeBlanc early. Here's the next offer, breaking ball, swing, and a high fly ball, right field, drifting back, one, he tracked to the wall, Gutierrez leaps up, and it's gone. Goodbye, baseball. J.D. Martinez, an opposite field home run to right, his 14th of the season, second tonight for the Tigers, and the Tigers now lead it by a score of 4-1. to one. And then what was painful for the Mariners, they had plenty of opportunities along the way to drive in runs, including the bases loaded. They had their opportunities in the sixth inning, and they just couldn't find a way to push more than one run across. Nelson Cruz drove in Robinson Cano in the fourth for the Mariners' first run. That's what gave the Mariners a run to make it 4-1. to one. Here's the pitch, swung on, fly ball, deep right field. Martinez track near the wall, leaps up, and it's off the top of the wall, and Martinez falls down. Get on a third, being waved in. He will score. Cruz 
Ronnie second. Heading for third. The throw to third by Martinez. Not in time. Nelson Cruz and at third base standing up with a triple. But outside of that, the Mariners continued to look for that big hit. I mean, for a lot of the game, they were looking for the sack fly, but they could not find a way to push it across against Detroit until the eighth inning. Now, I just rattled off a bunch of the big home runs the Mariners have hit in games that Wade LeBlanc have started, and you can add another one to the tally. Kyle Seeger coming up in the eighth inning, and he hits a massive home run. And he delivers. Swing and a high fly ball deep to right field. Martinez going back to the wall. Goodbye baseball. Kyle Seager, his 21st home run of the year, has just tied the game. A three-run home run with two outs here in the bottom of the eighth inning. And he's tied it up. It's the Mariners four and the Tigers four. How about that? Four to four. We would head to extra innings, but before that, a classic matchup. Edwin Diaz against Miguel Cabrera. This was awesome. The 0-2 pitch, fastball, swing and a miss, strike three. Miguel Cabrera goes down swinging a couple of strikeouts for Edwin Diaz here in the top of the ninth inning, and that is it for the Tigers. High heat from Edwin Diaz. And you just can't say enough about the bullpen. LeBlanc goes five, gives up four earned, and the bullpen was outstanding. Vincent, one inning, no hits, no runs. Nuno, two innings, no runs. Diaz, one inning, no hits, no runs, strikes out two. Caminero pitches two innings, no hits, no runs, strikes out two. Drew Storen pitches two innings, no hits, no runs, strikes out two. Tom Wilhelmsen got into a little bit of trouble, but magnificently danced out of it. One inning, two hits, no runs, one walk, two strikeouts. So the Mariners go through their entire bullpen. That was everybody. Everybody pitched. So they turned to their Friday night starter, Ariel Miranda, who took the mound in the 15th inning, and that's when the Tigers took the lead. Next offer, swing and a drive. Deep to left field, going and going. Goodbye, baseball. Victor Martinez with a leadoff home run here in the top of the 15th inning. A no-doubter off the stairway behind the Tiger bullpen. So the home run in the 15th inning, and the Tigers take the lead in the 15th. Now, what was interesting about what the Tigers did is they had turned to Matt Boyd, their starter, the previous inning, but they had held Francisco Rodriguez back, the closer. So he was dispatched for the 15th inning. O'Malley grounded out to start the inning. Nelson Cruz would draw a walk. Adam Lind picks up a base hit, and that was a huge one. So runners on first and second. And here's Kyle Seeger, who had already hit a three-run home run in the eighth, another big knock in the 15th. The 0-1 pitch, swing and a line drive to left field, drops in a base hit, Cruz Ronnie third, he'll score around the third, sliding in safely is Lynn, the throw to third is late, Seager in its second, the Mariners have tied it at 5-5, five five. Kyle 
Seeger with his fourth run batted in of this ball game. No quit in this club. Kyle Seeger comes through. And then they were looking for the winning run. At third base, Adam Lind was sitting there on a night when so many times they were looking for just a fly ball deep enough and they would finally get it. The 2-1 to Zunino. Swing and a high fly ball to the center field. Collins going back. Waits. He's there. Makes the catch. Tagging his Lynn. Here he comes. The throw to the plate. Way off line. Lynn slides in. He scores. The Mariners win it. 6-5 and a walk-off. Sacrifice fly by Mike Zunino. They win it. 6-5 with two runs here in the bottom of the 15th inning. Unbelievable. They find a way to make it happen in 15. And now they'll go for the sweep tonight. Felix Hernandez, Justin Verlander, Safeco Field, 7-10 first pitch. The M's have won five in a row, and they are right there in the mix in the American League. What a game as they continue. Again, just finding a way. That's exactly what happened. They found a way to get it done against the Tigers. They have the series now looking for the sweep. Here's what Mike Zanino had to say after the ball game. Yeah, I was just trying to look for a pitch up there and, and just get the barrel to it. Um, I had a couple tough at-bats against uh, some good relievers that were throwing a lot of off-speed stuff, and I was a little bit more aggressive than I wanted to be. And I knew there that he was going to go to the changeup and the breaking ball, and I just wanted to see it up and just try to get the barrel to it. Adam's not the fastest guy in the world. Did you know he had enough on that ball? No, but I, I, I trusted him. He put a little good move there to get around. Satomakia, too. But, uh, I mean, I thought it was deep enough, but uh, Collins still made a good throw on it. But I uh, was hoping it was deep enough. Caught a good deal of that pen tonight, and they were just putting up zero after zero after zero. What, what have you seen from this group, particularly in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, the pen's been great. I think everyone's settled in. I think the roles are uh, sort of selling in for everybody, and they're sort of buying into it. And, I mean, just to be so consistent from top to bottom there has been great. And uh, it was a total team effort today, and that pen did a great job. What about the fight in the team? Just to, you fall behind there in the 15th, too, and then to still come back when you hadn't scored in a long time to come back and get get what you needed. Yeah, it's, it's been great. I mean, that this team's sort of picked one another up the whole the whole time this year, and it's nice to just be able to have that as a lineup and as a pitching staff. And uh, we never feel like we're at any ball game. We knew we had to score one at, at some point, so when they scored one, we still believed that we could do it, and we had some good at-bats to get some guys on there. And then Kyle Seeger, who, of course, had a big day offensively. Here's what he said. Oh man, that was that was crazy. You know, that was uh, you know frustrating in the beginning, and you know then it got real long, and then you know we ended up good, so it worked out well. You talk about the frustrations. I mean, there were opportunities, but you guys just look like just keep swinging. There was a lot of opportunities. We we missed out on a lot of opportunities tonight, and I think that was uh, you know what was most frustrating. You know, I know myself, I missed out on quite a few of them. So, you know, there's a. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, if we executed a little bit better, if I executed a little bit better, you know, that wouldn't have, you know, had to had to go as long as we did. So, you know, it, it worked out in the end. You know, it was a, that was an unbelievable, unbelievably good win for us. And, uh, you know, come back tomorrow. What was your range of emotions? That's as irritated as I think I've ever seen you after the sixth inning and then you hit the home run day. What was the range of emotions? Um, you know, I was, I was actually still, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's a game of failure. You know, you're not going to get them in every time. But, you know, for it to happen twice to me there with a guy on third and no outs and you know especially the or not with no outs but you know in scoring position with less than two and you know then with the sixth inning you know with the bases loaded or whatever inning it was yeah that, that was extremely frustrating for me and you know thankfully it worked out in the end. 
the whole homestand. I mean, to win five in a row right now, to play the baseball that you're playing in the month of August, when it really matters right now. Yeah, you know, every, every game matters, but, you know, right now, especially, you know, playing a team like Detroit, you know, that's, uh, those, are, those are big wins. You know, they're, everything's big, you know, at this point, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, something that's getting lost is how well the, you know, the pen threw the ball today. You know, how well they, how well they threw the ball was phenomenal, and, uh, you know, Adam Lynn going to third on that ball was, was pretty impressive, too, so there's a couple things that going on us, I think. And Scott Service, the skipper after the game, his thoughts. 15 innings. Yeah, um, you know, quite a quite a game. That's uh, you know the the job that our bullpen did. And a lot of guys, not a lot of rest down there. Took the ball tonight and, and really sucked it up and and they performed. Um, so it says a lot about our team. You know, we hang in there, we hang in there, and uh, when it looks as bleakest, we somehow pull it out. So uh, really proud of our guys. You know, it's it's a long night. Uh, really didn't have much going, but. You know, lo and behold, we get a walk, we get a couple hits. Um, good at bat by Zanino, obviously, at the end. We haven't had enough sack flies <laughs> lately. We could have used a few earlier in the game, but uh, uh, really, really happy with our effort. Proud of the guys. You saw early opportunity after opportunity and just didn't come through, but just keep swinging. Yeah, yeah, we, we did have some opportunities early. Um, you know, they came out swinging the bats tonight against LeBlanc. Uh, Wade really wasn't as sharp as he normally is, but uh, uh, give him credit, he hung in there, got through five, and then, you know, like I said, our bullpen, I think, was nine scoreless before uh, Miranda gave up the home run to Victor. But, uh, you know, great, great job by them. How are you feeling? Uh, about like our players, very happy and very tired, but, uh, no, you, you never know. Those those games, you just got to keep grinding, grinding, grinding. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot going on, and you know, when, when it looked uh, like we were down and out, uh, starts with a walk, and then you know, a couple really good at bats by by Lind and Seager, and really the base running by Adam Lind to go to third base uh, gets overlooked at times, and our base running is not one of our strengths, but uh, key 90 feet in the game to get to third, and and uh, you know, set Zanino up for the for the big sack fly. Yeah, yeah, huge. You know, the three-run homer, where we really didn't have much going at all, um, and they have a very good bullpen, obviously as well. They didn't didn't give up much either tonight. So, um, you know, Kyle had a good game. Um, it's just, uh, you know, we this team. There's just something about this team, and I, I think the fans that hung in there tonight. I really appreciate uh, those who hung around at Safeco tonight. Uh, they got their money's worth for sure, but. Uh, I think they, they feel it, and, and there is something about this team. They believe in each other. It's a fun group. It's got a lot of personality, and we're playing well, and, and they're enjoying it. So you know, hopefully everybody in Northwest enjoys this as well. Yeah. You know that was going to be oh, oh, well, 1 a.m. No, but that's kind of how streaks work. Uh, they're never easy, you know, especially in this league and, and you know the matchups and, and – you know, getting through uh, other teams and their lineups, whatnot. But uh, uh, we were due. We were due to get on one of these streaks. We're playing well. Uh, I think it all kind of lined up with the Griffey weekend and kind of the excitement really energized our club. And, and you know, we're carrying it through right now. I think you got nine scoreless innings out of the bullpen today. Just how key is that to have them pitch that well? Yeah, they're really pitching well. And, and you know, some guys weren't supposed to pitch tonight that ended up pitching. You know, uh, Wilhelm Sen's been a little tender. We've used him a lot. 
you know, um, Diaz has been used a lot, you know, and then all of a sudden the game turns and you got to go to those guys. Storm's typically not a multiple inning guy. Got to do it, you know, and I appreciate their efforts, uh, really, because even when they're not on top of the game or feel that great, you got to go out there and compete, and, and that's exactly what they did tonight. Yeah, you have to imagine a couple of guys will be down for the game tonight. So all eyes will be on Felix Hernandez as the King will try and pitch the Mariners to a sweep over the Tigers. How much fun is this going to be? 7-10 first pitch from Safeco Field. Unbelievable. What a fun night. What a fun stretch it has been for the Mariners. It's fantastic. So right now. Let's pivot a little bit and hear from Ryan Roland Smith. I mentioned the question about pitch framing. We're going to talk about Mike Zanino a little bit. How important is receiving from a pitching perspective? We're going to hear from Ryan Roland Smith. Mike Zanino has been incredible with catch framing this year. First of all, how important of a skill is that from a pitching perspective? Yeah, you know, they, um, you know, as a pitcher, you appreciate, you know, guys who can. Especially that pitch down and away. When you're, I mean, because you throw a high percentage of pitches, especially early in the count, down and away. And if it's borderline, so if you, you always want to go 0 1 on every hitter. So if you're going to have a guy set up down and away and you, you're confident enough that he can really just stick that pitch, it just makes you breathe a little bit more and not have to go so much middle and be able to get that pitch down and away. And Mike does a fantastic job of that. Yeah, what do you see from Mike Zanino? How good is he at catch framing? He's honestly, and this is coming from, I haven't watched him a whole lot. You know, I saw bits and pieces of him last year, but I got a really good chance to watch him last night and the last couple of games. And it really stands out to me. And as a pitcher, I can 100% appreciate that, you know, because you're trying to get the ball down and get a good pitch. And especially too with Mike, that pitch in too, the one where it can kind of handcuff you a little bit, he just does such a good job staying with it. And it's, there's just no movement with that hand. And also too with a sinking fastball. You saw Iwakuma last night with that good sinking fastball he is just sticking that pitch and he's getting those calls and that's huge I mean especially early in the count when you throw in those pitches it makes all the difference in the at bat now when you talk about it that way I mean going from 0-1-1-0 as an example I mean that can change the course of an entire at bat which can change the course of an entire yeah. inning yeah 100% I mean that's for, for me you know when I'm working with if I'm from a coach if I was coaching a kid mm-hmm. or if I'm talking to you know talking to different pitches like for example Cliff Lee was a guy when we when he played here in Seattle, I kept trying to pick his brain as a left-hand pitcher and say, "What do you do, man? Like, what is it that you just get these weak swings?" He's like, "Hey, if I'm ahead in the count, I'm good to go. If I'm behind in the count, I'm probably going to give up some runs. That's simple. And obviously, it's a lot harder than you know, that seems. But when you got a guy like Mike Zanino who can really stick it, it makes all the difference in the world." You've thrown to a lot of catchers, obviously, in your career. How rare of a skill is that for a catcher? You know, they work on it. In spring training, they work on it a ton. You see them work on it. But it's just, it's, no matter how much you work on it, it's not an easy thing to do. It really isn't. And he, it just looks smooth behind the plate. And you appreciate that. And like I said, I picked up on last night. I really wanted to talk about it during the game because I just appreciate that. I've had some catches that they just, you know, that they sort of stab at it or they're trying to really, if you overdo it, and the thing is too, if you over, overdo the framing job, the umpire, these umpires are too good, man. They're like, okay, you're not going to get that pitch. And that's that pitch. It could be a strike, and if you stab at it, you're not going to get it. And Mike just does a great job, like I said, just being so, – like, if you want to call it soft hands, whatever you want to call it, hand just doesn't move, bang, catches that pitch. Speaking of last night, how much do you appreciate as a former pitcher a game like last night where Iwakuma just handcuffs such a good hitting team? 
Yeah, you know, he looked early on, and this is what stands out to me. Iwakuma, he, I mean, I haven't had a good chance to talk to him. Obviously, there's a language barrier. He didn't speak Australian. But um, I haven't had a good chance to talk to him, but he's, he's so composed. But at the same time, he's such a competitor. That game could have gone two ways last night. I know you, you do see a lot of young guys or pitchers who the body language starts to come in, the bad body language comes in because he did not look solid. He did not look Iwakuma-like early in the game. And he made that adjustment. He was able to, to quickly make that adjustment. He's such a competitor. He says, okay, I have to change something I'm doing, whether it be mechanically uh, or yeah, mentally about this game. And he, he made the correction. And he's like, to me, he's a guy that looks at it and says, you know what, I'm going deep in this game and you ain't going to get anything. And that's what he did, man. He, had, he made some really big pitches and he kept making the adjustment. And you saw, for example, Miguel Cabrera, one of the most intimidating guys when he's up there hitting. The guy can crush pitches. Well, he made a few mistakes early, but as each at-bat went on, by the third at-bat, Miggy had no chance against him because he just kept... Um, Iwakuma just kept making that adjustment on him and kept making better and better pitches. And that's that competitive side that comes out that you can't really see on the surface, but it is down there. And now one of our favorites, a chance to catch up with Nathan Bishop from LookoutLanding.com. Great site, great podcast as well, and a great guy. So fun conversation. Here it is. All of a sudden, Mariners crawling closer and closer in this thing. When you look at this recent surge by the Mariners, in your mind, what has been the biggest key for the Amps? Well, I think that the offense has been there all year. And I think that one of the big things that you've seen is this kind of bullpen 2.0 that we've seen. We, for, this is nothing against Steve Ciszek or the guys that were there at the beginning of the year. And it kind of feels like this is what every year is. The bullpen is probably the most fluid part of the roster. And you're seeing it come together now in a way that it hasn't really. And it's been a real roster churn for Jerry Depoto. Uh, obviously, putting Edwin Diaz in as the closer has been a revelation. He's averaging almost two strikeouts every inning that he throws. It's been historic. But then recent acquisitions, um, Archimedes Caminero, uh, guy throws 101. I think last night we had 101 in the eighth inning and 102 in the ninth. There's not a lot of teams that can throw that kind of velocity at you. Uh, but there's been others, too. Uh, Tom Wilhelmson's reclamation project has been a really positive thing. And you can see that they're getting very aggressive about the idea of shoring up that back end of the bullpen. It's been a real priority for the team. You don't send down someone like Taiwan Walker and call up Caminero if you're not trying to figure out the end of the game. And for me, that's been the biggest difference. This team's been able to hit almost all year. The starting rotation is still not great, but not terrible. And they're trying to figure out if we can get to a lead in the seventh inning, can we make that a win almost every night? That's been the biggest difference to me. That's what's going to define this team for the next month and a half or so. Speaking of Edwin Diaz, wow. I I mean, I'm running out of description for him. He has been nothing short of amazing. Yeah, the stuff, it it feels weird because he threw 102 miles an hour last night. Uh which is almost outside of Aralis Chapman, unheard of. But in the day and age that we're playing baseball these days, it starts to feel like more teams than not have a guy like that in the bullpen. But what's really impressed you about Edwin has been his, his mental edge. And I, you don't define that. I mean, with the blog, we, we write a lot about stats. We write a lot about the measurables. But Edwin's 22, and you're not going to get put into the closer position unless the manager thinks that you have whatever mental acuity or mental frame of mind that you're able to get to to come into the ninth inning and not just think that you have the stuff to end this, but know it. Have that kind of confidence. 
And baseball's a game of confidence. And, and Diaz at 22 to have that, maybe it's youthful cockiness, yeah. but he has it in spades. And you can't, you can't teach it. He's got it. And that's been the thing that's caught me off guard. I mean, he is as confident. He comes into that game knowing that he's going to succeed. And that's that's not something you can fake. You can tell that he has that. No, it's a, it's, it's, you describe it perfectly, too. And the other night is a great example. Here he is facing Trout and Pujols. And he said after the game, I mean, he's very aware. He's facing, as he put it, two potential Hall of Famers. And he just went through them without any problem, not phased whatsoever in that situation. Yeah, and I uh, I don't know exactly what kind of mental space you have to get to for that, especially with someone like Trout. What a series he had. Outside of the, I mean, we could talk also about James Paxton against Mike Trout on Sunday. That's another subject. But the guy hits two three-run home runs. He robs a grand slam. Clearly the best player in the game. Um, the closest thing that baseball probably has to a modern-day Griffey. We just spent three days celebrating him. Uh, you have to be able to come into a game and believe so confidently in yourself. And the fact that he doesn't just do it against people like Trout and Pujols, but the guy's been a reliever for less than three months. <laughs> you know? He never pitched in AAA. And you kind of expect the lead to adjust to this, but you also start to wonder when you have a wipeout slider that's in the upper 80s to low 90s and you're throwing 102 miles an hour, what adjustment is there to be made? You know? (laughs) Close your eyes and swing. (laughs) I mean, maybe that strikeout rate of of close to 18 strikeouts per nine innings is going to go down. You'd think it would. Mm -hmm. These are incredible hitters. We we talked uh, off-air about Miguel Cabrera's line drive off a 100-mile-an-hour fastball on, uh, on Monday night, but there's not a lot of reason to think that he's going to start giving up big hits. Um, you know, these are the best in the world, but but Diaz's stuff looks like it's a step above, and and he believes in that, and I think that goes a long ways. You mentioned James Paxton. When you look at this team down the stretch, how important do you think he will be to the Mariners if they want to pry themselves into postseason position? Gosh, I mean, what a story, right? I, it's... The guy's 27 years old. It feels like his career is just starting to take off. I've been really, I'm really hesitant to mention it here on your podcast because it's it's almost uh, taboo. Um, and I'm not saying they're the same pitcher or they're going to have the same career, but the career arc, kind of the style, it's it's kind of reminiscent of Randy Johnson. Um, late 20s, big, tall, left-handed guy with weird mechanics that are hard to iron out that you maybe figure out a little bit later in your career. He's lowered his arm slot, and all credit to the guys in Tacoma that helped him iron that out. He's throwing harder than he has ever thrown. He's got the hardest left-handed fastball of any starting pitcher in the game by at least two miles an hour. And for the last month or so, in a lot of ways, he's been the team's best starting pitcher. And it's not just been stuff. It's, it's been command. The walk rate has been so far down. And it's been such a struggle for James to repeat his delivery over and over again. And, and I, I'm sure most Mariner fans like me on Sunday were just in agony watching him roll around on the ground grabbing <laughs> yes. his elbow and it, they're so lucky that he's back because the, the weakness of this team right now is starting pitching depth and um, having James right there I mean you're, you're going to give the ball to Felix if you're in the playoffs because he's Felix but after that it's a real battle between James Paxton and Iwakuma and this is a guy that got beat out for the fifth rotation spot in spring training by Nate Carnes. so it's it's been a huge story for him I, I'm, I'm thrilled for the guy you love to see work like that pay off as you can probably hear in the background, we're actually recording us in person for the first time, which is outstanding. Also, while the game's being played, and this is perfect, Heredia picks up a base hit just a moment ago. 
What have you seen from Heredia, and how important can he be to this team? Well, another one of the weaknesses of this team has been, uh, you know, they can really hit the ball. Like we talked about again off air, this kind of feels like a late 90s Mariners offense, <laughs> which is so bizarre. They, they've, they've completely flipped the paradigm of Safeco Field on its head. They said you couldn't win with a home run first offense. Well, this team is proving you wrong right now. Um, but they've really lacked a defense in the corner position. I love Seth Smith. I love Nelson Cruz. But they're just not above average um, major league defenders in the corner outfield spot. And Leonis Martin is a gem in center uh, but what Eredia gives them is is another guy another league average to plus defender we saw him track a ball down over the weekend that was in the gap sinking slowly and he has the speed to get over there and then the presence of mind to get over to first to double a guy off and and couple that with and this this has been a real revelation through his time in the minor leagues you never really know what you're going to get with these guys that have played for years professionally in Cuba and they come over here you think you may know what their skill set is but you don't know how it's going to translate his ability to grind out at bats to to work deep in counts to draw walks to not swing and miss is a real skill that seems like it's translating to the major leagues it's a real small sample size we want to see more of him and the league will start to adjust to him because they always do but his ability to to get on base and to be patient very again going back to belief he very clearly believes in his ability to grind out the bat and to see the pitch that he wants so i think he's i don't know if he's a major league starter every single day but as a corner outfielder against left-handed pitching he's a huge upgrade over what the roster's had so far there's a great piece on your site today about Mike Zanino, and I think that's he's a story that right now all Mariners fans can feel very good about. What a, you just can't say enough about how his production since returning from Tacoma. It's the production, and it's it's so much. It's the journey too, and and everybody that you talk to Mike about loves Mike. He's he's one of the the nicest, most earnest guys that you could ever meet in your entire life. And he's a number three overall draft pick. And you look at some of the guys he was drafted ahead of that are already stars in the major league, and you felt terrible for him all 2015. I mean, you could see the, the torment that he was going through with his struggles. And I, for my money, the single biggest success story in the early stages of, of Jerry Depoto's regime is the way they've handled... Mike Zanino, and all credit to Mike too. This goes to the coaching. So this the credit can be spread around here. It goes to Depoto for the plan. It goes to the coaches in in AAA and to Edgar, who apparently talks to Mike, talked to Mike when he was in Tacoma, and it goes to Mike. I mean, this is a guy who's had to unmake years of teaching, years of habit, and remake it on the fly while playing the most difficult position defensively on the baseball field. And he's done it all in a relatively short period of time, about 100, 100 games or so. And real credit, too, to Chris Iannetta, who has not been a failure in the major leagues and gave this team exactly what they needed as somebody to tide over until Mike could have that time in AAA to re-educate himself. But he's a completely different hitter he, it, it, already. Even when the strikeouts are still there, they're completely different. You saw his at-bat last night against Mark Lowe. Went down 0-2 and Lowe threw him at least three pitches that would have been strike three against Mike last year. And Mike took them all or fouled them off. And he ended up striking out on a good 3-2 pitch. But his swing is different. His approach is different. His confidence is clearly night and day. And the talent has always been there for an all-star catcher. I don't know 
how regularly he can meet that, but it's a lot more likely now than it has appeared at any time in his major league career, and and you just can't help but be thrilled for him. So handicap this for me. You look where the Mariners are. You look at all the teams around him. How do you view this thing? Well, I, it's it's weird. I, I I'm prone to over drawing too much of a narrative into the season. That's just my gut instinct. And I've almost been drawing the Mariners season out as a play in three acts. You had the first act of, of the hero being triumphant. This is a team that burst forth in mid-May and was one of the best teams in baseball. 28 and 18 really recalibrated our opinion of what Mariners baseball could be about. And then June, June and July came an injury, bad luck, and a horrible schedule. I, I, I we figured it out after that Padres series in early June for a two-month stretch. Their opponents had a 53.2% winning percentage. It was a brutal schedule up through that Red Sox series. And then after this Tigers series, they've got a stretch of, I think, 13 in a row against the A's, Angels, and Brewers before they play the Yankees and then um, I think the A's again, and then they go back to play the Rangers. So the schedule and the roster, we had a debate yesterday on the site as to whether this is the current best 25-man roster the 2016 Mariners have put out all year. And I think there's a real chance that it is, especially with Marte back today, because uh, that's kind of been the big gap, and, and I love Sean O'Malley, but um, they, they've been needing a major league shortstop. So they're not the favorite. They're still two and a half games behind the Tigers, and they're currently losing two to nothing uh, in the second inning. But... They've got a good, as good a shot. I, I think they've, they're a better team than that 2014 team. They just are a better roster from the top to the bottom. And uh, you got to – I mean, that's what we're looking for, right? We're just looking yeah. for one day in October, one chance, one day with Felix on the hill at Safeco Field. And uh, I think baseball prospectus has their odds at about one in four, and that feels about right. And is it ideal? No. Is it – um, something that we want to be the standard of the Jerry Depoto era? Absolutely not. We want divisions. We want um, playoff contenders. We want great rosters. But for the first year, given that all that's gone wrong and, and the struggles to fill in depth, um, I think it's been a so far a really positive year. I, I like their chances. Well, this was fun to do in person. Hopefully we'll do it in person again. This is great. And congratulations. The site is fantastic. You guys crush it every day. The podcast, excellent as well. So congratulations to all that you're doing, all the success. It's such a passion project for us. We just love the team. We have so much fun every day um, figuring out what stories we want to tell. And I'm so grateful for your time and, and you hanging out with us too and being such a part of it. See you later!